Hello everybody and welcome to the Late Flag, the aftermatch podcast of the LFC Red Poets. Tonight, the Reds are smiling after a 2-0 derby win against rivals Everton. So, joining me tonight to discuss the game are, as usual, Tom Keegan and Pete Warburton and our guest tonight is Mike Hanley. So, before we start and talk about the game, um, when we were all coming out of Anfield this afternoon, we all heard that the sad news that one of the, the greatest players that this country's ever produced, Sir Bobby Charlton, had sadly passed away. I was fortunate enough you know, to see him play. Tom and Pete would have also seen him play, but unfortunately, you know, Mike wasn't that lucky um, to, to actually see what a great player he was. I'm just going to go to the lads one at a time for just for their sort of thoughts on the passing of Bobby. And I'll go to you first, Tom. It's funny, lads. We were having a chat, weren't we, on our last podcast, and we were talking about after the show was finished. We were talking about um, the Manchester United game of nineteen uh, of nineteen sixty nine, when um, and uh, about George Best, and we were talking about and we passed the comments of Bobby Charlton scored a goal in that game, absolutely well. He blasted it in from outside the box. He was a he was a he was a, he was a proper footballer, wasn't he, Bobby Charlton? He played the game very much in the Ian Callaghan mould. You know, like he he was a gentleman. You never see him moaning at referees or fighting or, or grumping. He, he played the game the right way, and he was a marvelous footballer, great ambassador for, for the game. You know, it, World Cup winner and just just an overall a nice man. Loved Liverpool Football Club, totally respected yeah, everything about Shankly and Paisley. And so it's really, really sad to see him, him, him passing today. Another one, another one of the truly greats of the game has, has passed. Pete? Yeah, just sort of mirror what Tom said. Um, like he said, we were talking about him in our last podcast and that goal he scored at the cop end. And I think I said at the time, I remember, when you, if you look at it, ever see a rerun of it, I think to a man, the clock just applauded him because it was such a fantastic goal. Um, but I, I sort of really got into football in 66 um, and obviously the World Cup. And, and I think he might have scored one or two, but there was one goal, I think, specifically against Mexico that he hit from about 25, 30 yards and it just flew like Tom said, he played the game the right way. He was a gentleman. And um, I remember seeing photographs and stuff, and I think it was probably on Match of the Day as well, when he played his final game at Stamford Bridge and he, all the accolades he was getting. And um, Yeah, just a fantastic player. And once again, just another one of the, you know, one of the class of 66 from that World Cup final. I think there's only Jeff Hurst left now. I know there's some others in the squad who are still still, you know, living, but um, he, he just played the game the right way. And, and, and strangely, you know, without being, not, not what's the word I'm looking for, he didn't look the archetypal footballer. He had that full pace and he had the big long comb over. And at times you wouldn't have put him down as a footballer. He wasn't, you know, in the sense of the word, when you when you see some of the pin-up boys, if you want, from that era, you know, the Georgie Bests and then, we had Keegan and there was Alan Ball and all people like that um, when he was playing, but he, he just played it in the right manner. He, he, you know, I, I don't know. I've not had a chance to look. I'm not sure if he ever got booked in his career. He was that good a player. He, 
he never seemed to to learn the dark arts of football. You know, there were a few around at that time, defenders, but he just played it the right way. And uh, yeah, another sad loss to the game. Yeah, Mike. Yeah, I no, I like as as you say, I never saw him play. But um, I was telling before, I was having a bit of a text conversation with my mates who were Man United fans and stuff, and um, and they and like one of them just came back and said, Do "You know what? He'd be brilliant in your team at the moment." He said he's a clock player, energy, up and down of pitch, score goals, can defend. You could play him at left back; he'd be the best player on the pitch. You know, and I was just like, he said, he, he said, if you look at Dominic's uh, Sabah's line now, he said that kid's got potential to be as good. You know, he said he's up and down; he's got that touch from from a very young age. He looks more mature than he is, so on and so forth. And I thought that was really telling. Before it was really good. I remember in two thousand eight when we had the sports personality of the year in Liverpool, and I went. First time, first and only time I've ever been to sports personality. I managed to get some uh, tickets on the uh, on the sly, you know, Les. and um, and he and he was there, and he got his lifetime achievements award off Gary Lineker, and in Liverpool of all places. And he and if you remember the night he mentioned, he said like that's the most amazing reception, and he spoke well about Liverpool and the reception he got. And all right, it wasn't all scouts was in the crowd, but it, like eight thousand people were on their feet for like a minute and a half clapping this fella. That's how revered he was by people in the country. You, you know, and the majority of people in that room had never seen him kick up a, a football. But you know, yeah. he still yelled himself for years. You know, he never came any out with any nonsense about Liverpool. It wasn't about the rivalry. He had the respect for the club. Yes, he loved Man United, but you know what a class gentleman he was. Absolutely class. You know, absolutely yeah, class. yeah. It, it, you know, I'll sort of echo what you know the three you have said there. It's quite, it's quite ironic, isn't it that. You know, nobody of of our age or any age that you speak to has got a, a bad word to say about Bobby Charlton. No. And I think I think he played for England at a time where everybody in the country, you know, supported the team and had great respect. Mm-hmm. You know, for the players who represented the country and wore that wore that shirt. And he always wore it with distinction. Now Pete was saying there that, you know, he started getting into football in sixty six. Well, the first World Cup I remember was nineteen seventy, as a young lad watching the pictures coming back live from Mexico, and you know Pete just said about you know Jeff Hurst being the last player standing from the the England team that won the World Cup in sixty six. I think there's only five left from the from the old the, the whole twenty two man squad who left for Mexico: Tommy Wright, Alan Mullery, Jeff Hurst, um. Alan Clark had left and uh, somebody, Alex Stepney. So, you know, even all those great players, we lost Francis Lee, you know, a few weeks ago, who was another great player. But yeah, Bobby Chart was just an ambassador for football in this country. You know, wherever you, in the 70s, you know, you, anybody spoke about football in England because you couldn't watch games like you can do now. You could only watch highlights of certain games and a few games live. You mentioned the name Bobby Charlton and everybody's face lifts up and they knew you were talking about great footballers. And the other thing I will say as well, that you know, he had he had the unfortunate experience of being involved in the Munich Air disaster in nineteen fifty-eight. And he survived, but a lot a lot of his met his his friends and teammates, you know, and colleagues passed away on that awful night. And yeah. He managed to have the courage 
to get back on a plane again to represent not only his club but his country all over the world. And that must have been that must have took a hell of a lot of courage to do. Because there's a lot of people, me included, and Michael Michael will sort of out for this, trying to get me on a plane in two thousand and five to go to Istanbul. You know, and I'd never even had a, a bad experience on a plane. So for Bobby Charlton to do what he did, it just showed what a what a courageous man he was. Um, so yeah, a very very sad loss today for not only for Manchester United and you know I'd send the thoughts of everybody who's contributed to this podcast since we started it to the family of of Sir Bobby and also to all his colleagues, former players, and all the supporters of Manchester United and football lovers throughout the world. You know we've lost an all time great today and another one of the the greats from the 60s and the 70s no longer with us. Anyway, we now move on to talk about Liverpool's 2-0 victory. Just against very, very quickly, let's you think you'll have a round of applause for them at the next game? I think... I As think a 66 have, World Cup winner, I think they'll yeah, have a round of applause. They'll, they'll definitely do something. It'll either be a round of applause or a minute yeah. side, whatever. But yeah, I would have thought that through all the Premier League games next weekend, something will, will be done. Yeah. Um, and I think it should be done. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah that, would be, that would be the right thing to do. Um, so, yeah, so going on, you know, Liverpool, you know, come out smiling again with a 2-0 victory over Rivals Everton. A game that wasn't without his, its controversies as far as the blue uh, quarter of the, the city are concerned. And, um, you know, I thought Liverpool fully deserved the victory. But as I sort of said in the, the pre-match show on Thursday, I didn't think it was going to be that easy and I thought we'd have to work really hard to get the victory, which is how it, what it turned out to be. So first of all, Tom, I'll come to you. The team dropped about half 11. Canate was in alongside Virgil. Costa started at left-back. It was Gravenberch on the left of midfield in place of Curtis. And Jota got the nod up front because... I think Darwin Nunes had been suffering from a bit of cramp towards the end of the the game uh, for Uruguay in the midweek. So, what did you make when you when you heard the team? I think I think we got it spot on more or less with, with everyone on the the, the podcast the night before last, didn't we? I think I think you said you thought Canate had come in. I thought I thought I think somebody else said Jota as well, and I thought Jota and Gapko were the starter, but Gapko wasn't deemed fit enough. But um, I think everybody, Peter Gladbenberg as well. I think I think more or less the team was more or less picked itself. So it was a good strong side, wasn't it? Really, and there was no real major shocks. No, that's right, Pete. What did you make at the start in eleven? I know you you were quite. Sort of pushing your team selection on on Thursday night a few times. I think you mentioned it two or three times in the yeah in Jordan, the podcast that you had your team wrote down. So I, recollect, I got, re- recollect how many did you get right? Just I got that, nine, that's I got, not taking the taking the Michael by the way. That's just a genuine question for once. No, I got nine. I think I got nine out of eleven. I thought maybe Nunes would make a start, but obviously the the, the, mm. the traveling and the camping up towards the end of the game. He was on the bench, and I did think Joe Matic might make a start because obviously he wasn't away on in international duty. 
But apart from that, I think I got the, you know, certainly the, the midfield um, and the front three, apart from Joss that I thought Nunes was playing, but good, strong side. And, you know, it, you just thought, I know Tom was saying if we, if we get an early goal, he mentioned the other night, we could really go to town. But I suppose you got to give Everton a bit of credit because they did defend with the lives at times. And I can't remember Pickford having a real save to make of any notes in the first half. He, he made a, a really good save second half from Elias. But um yeah all in all I thought it was a decent side and um one you know one that we we you thought a kick off well it's good enough to, to win the game, you know. Any shocks in the start of eleven for you, Mike? Uh no not really. Um although I just I, initially I did just assume that Jones was injured again and then forgot he'd be he was still banned after his red card at Tottenham. But I think Jones would have started if um, if he'd have been fit, because he deserves to play. He's been really good this year so far. Um, I'm still slightly concerned about McAllister in that deep role. It's not, he, you know, he he takes chances with passes, which is really, you know, which is kind of what you want, I suppose. But he's not Thiago. He's not Thiago. He's not Fabinho. And further up the pitch, you can get away with what, what he's doing. But, he, but, you know, we're playing a championship side today, and I'm not being disrespectful for Everton. I'm not. But I look around their team and they're, they're a team, apart from probably Pickford and I don't know, Albert Lewin in a decent team would probably score you 15 goals, right, if he stays fit. But apart from them two, there isn't a Premier League player, player among them, you know? And I just thought it's a typical championship side coming here to sit on the edge of the box. And when they went down to 10 men, I thought it doesn't change what they're going to do. It doesn't change. Like, the, the process is exactly the same. Soak up pressure, try and get a free kick or a corner or hit us on the break if they can. And I, I was never worried, if I'm honest with you. I think the Calvert-Lewin had the header in the first minute where he put it like in the only place that Alisson was ever going to save it, in his arms. Um, and then after that, he never had a shot. He never had a, never troubled Alisson with anything. You know, um, I just I, I wasn't worried at all. I thought we'd score at some point. I was never worried. Never worried, like Tom. So the, the game starts in the first half, as Mike said, there Everton sort of set the stall out to defend very deep. You know, they had a chance where Macca was sloppy in the first few minutes and give the ball away, and they had a half chance, I would say, from there. And after that, they had a few, a few free kicks, a couple of corners, but nothing really that, that sort of troubled us. And we had a we had a few breaks, didn't we, in the first half where we just got the the final pass wrong yeah, yeah. that would have really opened them up. So what did you make of the first half, sort of watching it from Keegan Towers with you being on the injured list again, Tom, not being able to that? <laughs> I thought it was a, I thought it was a strange a strange game at Les. I thought they were I thought I I did expect them to do what they'd done. I think Mike's a little bit harsh on saying that he thinks they're the championship team, but like I think defensively, I think I well that I think we I don't know, I'm not so sure, but I think they defend. I think you got sometimes you sometimes you you've got to give someone credit for the way that they defended, and like I'm no lover of his football, and and I hate that type of game where they no low block teams come and do it, but like I thought that. They defended really well to a to a man. Sarkowski was dying in front of everything, wasn't he? I think he was he was like sort of always there blocking something. 
I thought Liverpool were a bit to be to be fair to us. I thought we were so our passing was a bit wayward in the first half, and I thought we had a couple of good breaks where we where you would have thought Liverpool would would have punished them. But I I think like I think it was Mo on on, on more than one occasion gave the ball away, which is so unlike him. Like his passing was 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 quite poor overall. But um. I think I think the longer the game went on, I thought you you'd always felt that we would get a chance. But as this, I, I said to you tonight, I thought if Liverpool get one in the first 10, 15 minutes, I think we'd get three or three or four. And as it happened, we couldn't break them down. Pete, what did you make of it from your from your seat with the main stand ultras? I think I think to be honest, as as the lads have said, the Calvert Lewin put a header right into into Ali's arms, and but either side it was probably one up, you know. But I think we created our best chances in the first half from Everton set pieces and and free kicks and that, and we defended them and then we broke out and it was just the final ball, like you're saying. I thought I thought most touch today was pretty poor in fairness. Um, you know there were a couple of times he he tried to isolate Mikalenko and. In fairness, he had a good game against Mo. He, he he got stuck in and he had a decent game. Um the you know the the obvious the, the obvious path to take and, and it worked out for us was to try and get a Ashley Young at the back and, and eventually it did work. Um but like Tom said, they, they defended stoutly to be honest. And in that first half, I can't remember Pickford really being extended at all. It was all a bit puff and puff. And I just yeah. thought we were a little bit slow passing the ball. I thought we were a little bit pedantic. And then at that time, when 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 we, you know, apart from the couple of breaks we had from their free kicks and that, it was all a little bit lethargic, kind of some of the passing, and um, it just allowed Everton to form the bank and just leave Calvert Lewin up on his own, and they had the two banks there of defenders. Um, so yeah, I mean, I wasn't unduly worried at that stage. I, I did think that as the game went on. Um, especially after the sending off, I thought you know we were going to create decent chances. Um, but I was not unduly worried any time after that. Calvert Lewin had there was nothing really that they offered to be honest. Yeah, I thought as Pete said there, Mike, that the Liverpool's tempo could have been a bit quicker in the first half, and sometimes you know we were giving Everton you know too much time to get set in there in their positions and, and in their defensive formations. And, you know, our best chances really came from, you know, where we broke quickly and got the final pass wrong when we were in. And Everton did sort of throw themselves in, in front of shots and, and, and sort of defended for the lives. So, you know, the Blues could be quite proud of the team in that sense. Although I would tend to agree with you that they are a, a very, very poor team sort of in building you know, attacking moves um, to create chances for themselves. But the the major instance in the first half really was the the two yellow cards for Ashley Young. Now, obviously, I haven't seen the... I've seen the second one back, and that's a stone wall yellow card. I haven't seen the first one. Some people have said it's harsh. Some people have said, you know, it was a yellow card. But once he got that yellow card, you know, he had to be given a second yellow card for the for the second one. Have you had a chance to, you know, with your sort of experience, you know, as a as an official, 
have you had a chance to look at the the two incidents just to see, you know, whether Craig Porson got them got them right? He got them spot on for me. I think the the first one is not only like so. So when you when when you commit a foul, right? Um, it, the referee will class it as either careless, which is just a, like a normal foul, right? He might have a word with the air, or he might not. It, it depends, yeah. Um, but if it's reckless, if he considers it reckless, then it's a, a it's a yellow card. Equally, if you have a careless foul which stops a promising attack, right? Then that's a yellow card as well, regardless of whether it's a minor trip or a pull or whatever. Yeah, it, it's stopping. So for the for the Diaz one, he knocks it past him. And he's into twenty yards of space before you get anywhere near the fullback. Now, on a Sunday, you know, on a Saturday afternoon at Prescott Cables, you know, you're not cautioning that because you know the skill level is not high enough for to make something of it. We've got Diaz running towards the right centre back after he skipped past the fullback in the other half with Jota and Sal and everybody else. That becomes a promising attack for me, right? And it's and. And it is a bit reckless because he just dangles a leg out. He just leaves it and he goes over it. It's a yellow card all day, the first one, right? All day long. And when the second one happened, there's a bit of a delay. And people were going, oh, VAR must be talking to him. They, they don't talk to him over the second yellow card at all. There's no conversation. VAR do not get involved on yellow card Excuse me. Uh, yellow card offences, second yellow card offences, they don't get involved at all. So... The delay was as he walked towards it. I can tell you now, he'd have been on the headset to his colleagues, the fourth official going, he's going off, get ready, because as soon as this card goes up, the bench is going to kick off. So be prepared to um, Tom Bramall, who was the fourth official. Um, and that's what he would have been saying. He'd be telling the, uh, the senior assistant on that side and the fourth official that he was going off. And the second one, as you say, is an, that is a stop and a promise and attack, 100%, because he's into the box. He's in there to, you know, good attacking position. He, if he doesn't yell a card, the second one, right, his credibility would have just gone for me altogether. He did disappeared, you know, and people are talking about feel the game and all that business. Yeah, all right, feel the game, but not in that situation. That's a clear yellow card. You, you know, no one's arguing the point. I don't need, I, I've not seen the post-match interviews, but I, I don't suspect Dice is arguing that it's a, a second yellow or not, is he? Has anybody seen no. them? No, no, he's he's arguing more that the first one wasn't it. No, it is. It definitely is. For, yeah. I mean, for, look at that le- at, at that level, right? That's why at that level you see referees will often play um, advantage in what we call the defensive third of the field of play, right? So defensive third, middle third, attacking third, yeah. And at that level, because the skill level is so high, they will allow advantage in the defending third. The further down the leagues you go, you'll find referees will just give defensive free kicks because they're not good enough to take advantage of having the ball at their feet. But if you've got someone like a Thiago or a Sabozlai or um, you know, a Fernandez from Man United or something like that, and he's got the ball and all of a sudden he's in 20 yards of space, even in his own half, he'll find a Rashford or Sabozlai will find a Salah so, and all of a sudden you're on the attack. So it does... You, you will see differences... In the levels between the levels of football, so what? Like I don't know, Bradford versus Wrexham today. I guarantee the two advantages Pawson plays for us in the first half in our defensive third. The referee in that game would not have played them. He just give the free kick because they're not good enough to take advantage of it at that level. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, to, but for me, they were two yellow cards. I mean, you can argue the first one that it's careless, but then if it's careless, it's still stopping a promising attack. 
which means it's a yellow card in any event. So for me, the the both correct for me, both correct. Mike, Mike, I don't know, if, and the rest of your lads. I don't know if you noticed about five minutes before the set, the second yellow, he kicked the ball away as well. Now, yeah, I don't know. Been, he, no, he did, he did. Yeah, you know, I mean. If you want to start laying the letter to the Lord, there was a good chance that he could have pulled him up for that way. Yeah, and there you go. And like, I mean, yeah, I've seen Rio Ferdinand talking about sorry, could he, you know, he could use common sense and stuff like that. Well, he did in that instance. Yeah, Post, yeah. And part of me was going, you know, screaming, get him off. You know what I mean? Um, mm. But actually, the other part of me was going, that's sensible. You know, people are heated, you know, uh, adrenaline's running and everything else. And he only kicked it into the um, dugout here. Yeah, he didn't it right up the pitch, but he, he kicked it away enough. Yeah. Like Trent did it in Newcastle. Like Trent yeah. did it in Newcastle, right? It was enough, wasn't it, to delay the because I think in that instance, didn't Simicast end up in the dugout trying to get the ball? And then we already threw the ball back and he was still in the Everton dugout trying to get it back. Yeah. Um <laughs> yeah, yeah. but so so I agree, but so in that sense, he did he ignored that. And another day someone might get you know making a yellow card for that, but he didn't he ignored it because he thought, oh God, I'm not sending the lad off in a derby match for that. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's where he used his common sense. The other two for me, nailed on yellow cards. Whether you think the first one's reckless or not, you think it's just a trip, it's careless. It's stopping a promising attack for Liverpool. Mm. So it's a yellow card. It's an easy yellow card for me. Tom, you, you watched the game, as I said before, on the telly because you're still on the injured list. What was the view from, from the, the, sort of, the experts on the, on the telly, the panel and the commentators? Did they think they were both yellow cards or...? Would, did they think the first one was a bit harsh? What was what was their interpretation? Mike's Mike's nailed it there more or less. What he was saying, it was the the first one. He took he, he took him out. He, he took him out with his knee. He was gone past him and he took him out with his knee. He, he threw his knee into 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 Diaz. Diaz was away from him, so like he had to he, he had to give him a yellow card for that. And and the second one, Les. The second one was was a hundred percent. I I didn't I didn't really notice the in kicking the ball away to be honest on what he called. But they, I think I think he got them spot on both of them decisions. You know, like I, I, the people at the end. I think it, it, when I was watching it, they had um, Phil Neville and and um, Tim Howard on. You know, um, and they were talking. And both of them had said the same. It was he was foolish. He said the first one he was caught and he was late. The second one he was reckless. He dived in. So like I, I can't if that if Dice is complaining about that, I think that's a little bit. I think that I think that's more or less a little bit of you know like you have to have a little bit of something to moan about at that stage. I don't think anybody. Would have thought that it was, you know, like it was other than a, a red card, two two yellows. Pete, were you were you sort of on the making it a full house thinking they were the yellow cards were both justified? Definitely, yeah. I mean, I was up, I was up on my seat for both of them because they both happened sort of, you know, right in front of us, like down that end. And yeah, like like the lads are saying, the first one. I don't think he had the legs to stand on, if you pardon the pun. He just stuck his knee out while, while like Mike was saying, Diaz had been away and, and you know, with centre-back in front of him. So that was definitely a yellow. And then the second one, he was just reckless, to be honest, without causing any, you know, he wasn't reckless in the in the way that he could have caused damage to Diaz, but he he jumped in as a, 
I think he I think he probably wanted to give a free kick away before Diaz got it over the white line into the box because he would have been in real trouble then. And I just think oh, yeah. it might have been a rush of blood, you know. But yeah, I think they were both both yellow. I mean, I was up for the him kicking the ball away. I'll I'll, I'll go for anything <laughs> like um it probably would have been a little bit stupid and harsh, but you know, like like Mike says, it wasn't dissimilar to, to what Trent did at Newcastle, to be honest. Yeah. Tom, so at half time, you know, we go in nil nil. Dave played the last sorters, seven or eight minutes, plus a couple of minutes injury time or added time if you want to call it that. You know, with the with the ten men and obviously they were going to reorganise at half time. And I was surprised really that they both bought two defenders on. Mm. You know, brought Keane and Patterson on and took off, you know, both McNeil and Harrison. And they went then they went ultra defensive then, didn't they? They were just sort of right, we're not we're very rarely gonna go past the halfway line and the only the only time we're gonna go past the halfway line, you know, is if you sort of lose your concentration and, and give us the opportunity to do so. And Liverpool started the second half again, and we again, you know, I thought Liverpool were very patient with what they were trying to do, moving the ball around, trying to create you know space and but I, I tend to think sometimes that again they were moving the ball sort of not quick enough. And the Ooh. final pass again was lacking, um, just be cut out or it'd go behind for a corner or they'd make the wrong choice. And then, you know, so it was a bit frustrating at the start of the second half. Would you say, Tom, what did you think of? Very, very much. I was saying before with Peter about, the, about when you thought the tempo was really slow, wasn't it? And I think you were right. I think there was one stage where we had just about nearly 80% possession against, against 20%. But really, we weren't sort of putting them under loads of pressure or, or getting behind them or, you know, like... So as you say, we were having loads of passes, but most of the passes were in front of them, were just side to side, radiance. We were slow more than anything. And I think I think overall, I think there was only a couple of players. I thought Grabenbach, Grabenbach, to be fair to him, tried to drive forward. And and, and Sir Bosley, who, who was, who, to me, was like, he, he looked at one bit of, like quality all the way through that you felt was going to break them down. I think he was going to be the one that was going to find the way through. And um, I, I think the longer the game was, I think I think most people. I don't know what I know what I would have been feeling like at the match. You know what? You're still believing that you can break them down, but the longer the game goes on, the more frustrated you become. The more frustrated the crowd becomes, the more frustrated the players become. So I think, I think from that point of view, Les, I think, I think we needed just to speed it up. Yeah, Mike. So then we come to the um, sort of the big talking points from the second half. As I mentioned to Tom there, Everton sort of set out the stall. You know, at half time they brought two defenders on, and they were only going to go over the halfway line if we lost concentration. And if we lose his concentration a little bit, commits a foul and then gets a yellow card. And then Everton take off Calvert-Lewin and bring on Beto. And then there was the other instant where Beto went down and the Blues are crying for it to be evened up and a second yellow card to be given. So I don't know again what your sort of view of that is. It 
sort of taking your sort of Liverpool scarf off for a minute and putting your, your referee kits on. What was your view of those two incidents? So, sorry, I was just showing me passing out the door then as I was listening to you. So, yeah, so the first one's a yellow card, definitely. And the second one, honestly, if you'd give him a yellow, he couldn't have complained, right? And I think the only thing that saves him, right, is the fact that he's it's more of a coming together, right? But as I said before about carelessness, it's not reckless in the respect that it's a reckless foul, it's a yellow card, it's careless. But the question then becomes, does it? Is it stopping a promising attack? And I think Paulson, and I'm, I've not seen it back, but I think Paulson thought um, the ball went past both of them. Neither of them got it. It went, to, you know, Beto was never getting it, right? He's 20 yards in, and to be fair, he was this side of the halfway line, this side of the D, wasn't he? In, our, in, like, in Everton's defensive third, if you like. So, so far away from goal, for that to be stopping a promising attack, you know, you'd have to be, you know, if it was, I think if you'd have filed Messi, you might go, all right, maybe, because the lad can do anything. Do you know what I mean? But Beto, who quite frankly looks terrible, um, like a terrible footballer, I just, but I think if you'd have cautioned him, he couldn't have argued. I just don't think, I just don't think he could have argued. It wouldn't have been overturned and we wouldn't have been able to appeal it anyway. I think he was very lucky and I think Klopp knew that and Klopp took him off. I mean, a minute later, he takes him off and I think then that just kind of, for the referee, the referee's probably going, oh, maybe I've got that wrong there. Do you know what I mean? Because he's took him off. He didn't trust him to stay on his feet for the rest of the game. And then Matic came on and he was imperious as usual, to be fair. You know, yes. he had slippers on most of the, you know, for 20 minutes. Yeah. But yeah, it's a yellow card, the first one. The second one, you know, you'll split a room. People will say it's a yellow card because of, and you, I think it's harder to explain why it's a yellow card than to explain why it's not, right? Which which would make me fall on the side of he's probably probably just about got it right, but it's probably by a, a hair's width, you know. Right, Pete. So Mike just mentioned there about Joel coming on, you know, in place of Canate. Prior to that, you know, Liverpool hadn't managed to to break Everton down the first sort of fifteen minutes of the second half, and on comes Nunes and Harvey Elliott. And off goes Simakas and Gravenberch. Um, so down. So what did you make of those the, the first two changes, first of all? And then obviously you can go on to you know what you made at the uh the, 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 the two the two yellow card incidents. Yeah, I was a bit I don't think Simakas had his his best game by a, a long a long shot. But I was a bit surprised that Nunes came on for him and I thought, are we gonna readjust here? Who's gonna you know, play that sort of left back or left wing back. Um, I thought Gravenberch had a really good first half, to be honest. And um, it was it was just over the hour mark, wasn't it, when they made the substitution? So whether he was running out of steam or whether whether Jürgen had seen something that he thought, you know, to Harvey Elliott, um, you know, could do better if he wants. And in fairness, I thought when Harvey came on and Nunes, but when Harvey came on, I thought he gave us. As he's done a few times this season, he, he suddenly puts a bit of emphasis into the side. And I thought he had a fantastic yeah, yeah. cameo. He had a, a good half hour. And um, as I say, it was a little bit, why is he, you know, why is he taking Gravenberch off? Because up until that point, I thought he, he was in, you know, in for man of them, you know, a good chance of man of the match. I thought, I thought McAllister started Italy again. 
Um, but it's not always his fault, you know, in that number six. Sometimes he's he's given balls that, you know, he's closed down quickly and stuff like that. But I thought the, the midfield as a whole, I thought he played really well. Um, but then you could see after a few minutes, as I say, Elliot was having more and more influence on the game. He, he was doing really well. Um, with regards to the Canarsie incidents, I think the thing that did save him was, like Mike said, it was 20 yards inside the Everton half as opposed to 20 yards inside ours. I think Besso was looking for it. Um, but by the letter of the law, you know, he could well have walked. If he hadn't he hadn't been booked first time, he'd have been booked for that, certainly. So, yeah, Jürgen, you know, cleverly took him off and Massive comes on and does what he does. Just calms, you know, calm and influence. And, you know, to be honest, I never, you know, I, I was I was amazed with, with, with the with the substitutions Everton made, like you mentioned, they went, like you say, ultra-defensive. So it was never worrying, really, apart for conceding a goal, unless they got a, a decent, you know, corner, free kick or whatever you want to call it, and they put the big lads up there. So I was not unduly worried on that. Um, but yeah, as I say, it's... I, I thought quite a lot of... Quite a lot of the players today just had ordinary games, and that's not being nasty. It, it was... It was like an ordinary performance, really. But, um, yeah, I'd, I'd, have, I'd have to give Harvey a mention because I thought he did he did change the tempo of the game when he came on. Yeah, Tom. So, I'll ask you, uh, just for, for Jonathan's benefit, now that you're on the payroll of the PGMOL, um, what you thought of the the two yellow cards and then, then sort of moving on. You know, I totally agree with what Pete said there. I thought Harvey made... A real impact when he come on. He kept the what what I liked about his performance when he come on was he kept the ball moving quickly. And that's where we needed the tempo to increase. So because he was moving the ball on quickly, it was causing Everton more problems. So yeah, I I, I thought again, his performances this season have been more impressive when he's come on from the bench than when he's actually started games. So he seems to be a good option. You know, from the bench at this particular time. But going back to the, as I say, there was the two yellow cards incidents, which for Jonathan's benefit, I'll ask for your opinion on. And then I just want to want you to go on then to another couple of incidents that happened with within a couple of minutes of each other, or it seemed that way. You know, when we were at the game, where there was the penalty appeal for a foul on Luis Diaz, and then pretty quickly after that, there was the penalty appeal that we got when when it was referred to VAR and the referee give the penalty so give us your views on those Tom I think I think Chilotti, I think the first one it, it is a yellow card he's, he's, he's done him and he's, and he's he's fouled him the second one was when when Mike described it I think and I, he, he said Jürgen Klopp that said like we were lucky and I think I understood what he what he meant about that, but you know when you know when you watch it back in in slow motion, Pete hit the nail on 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 the head. Whereas as as what Mike said, he Besser was never going to get the ball, and he was moving forward, and you know, um, but he showed it from like two or three angles, and he Besser looked, Besser looked at 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 Seen he wasn't getting the ball and runs into Canati. Canati put his arm out, but pulled his arm back. And I, I think 
he he was looking to go down, and I, I agree with Mike a hundred percent. I think had he had he got sent had he got sent off for that. Phil Neville said at the end of the game, he said that would have been a soft one. He said that would have been a really soft one to go off for. So I think, and for for the benefits of Paul, for for Jonathan, I thought Paul Pawson had a great game today. <laughs> and that upset that upset most people, but he did. He got all the decisions right, and I thought he done all right as as a spokesman for the PGMO. But I I I, I thought he he did what you know. To be fair, the, now the two you talked about, I think the first one with Diaz when they showed it. At first, when he showed that, I thought, "Oh, that could be a penalty." And but when he when he when he looked at it, and it was it, it, it that would have been that would have been a harsh one to to give for a penalty. You know, like at that stage. Oh, can I just ask you a question? Just a sec on that. Go on. The, the way I saw to look at penalties when they're given is how would I have felt if it had been given against us? So if that incident would have been at the other end and the referee had to give a penalty for the foul on Diaz, would you have been annoyed that the penalty had been given? Very much, yeah, very much so, Les. Very, very much so. That and, answers the question. And 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 the the, the second one again is like his arm was his arm was extended. We we're saying well, if the ball comes and strikes your arm and your arm's close to your body. You know, you you know, like it's not a penalty, and we've had frustration, haven't we, where balls have bounced up and hit people up. But I think it won't come off Van Dyke's thigh, and it's his arm, and it, his arms close to his body. He's got no control. He had his arms out like he was about to fly. You know, like he he, he had to give a penalty for that. I thought that was a stone wall penalty, or you know, I think I think had he not give that, I, I think that. I think we would have been going mad. I think because I think, it, I I think if that that was a penalty. Tom, I'll ask you the question again, as I just asked you before. You know, as the way I judge the penalties, I've seen it back, and I think it's hundred percent penalty. So I'll just say again, if that would have been given against us, you wouldn't have had any complaints about the referee pointing to the spot. You, you couldn't when there are when the, your arms that that far out, Les. And it strikes the arm. You know, like it's not like he tried to get his arm out of the way. His arms were there. Yeah, Mike. What did you What did you make at that instance? Um, I mean, I don't know whether you've seen the two incidents back since, but where we were on the cop, and you know where where we sit and whatever. Yeah, the one on Diaz looked an absolute clear penalty, and Steve said in front of us, you know, he said when the game got stopped for a for a. A minute or so while he checked it, Steve was saying, "Surely to God, if if that's not a penalty, then Diaz should be done for simulation." Because I thought he, I thought Diaz was coming back on himself, and then the, the defender had slid in and took him out. But that's only getting one look at it from where I am on the cop. If you see what I mean, um, without having seen it again, and, and you might not have seen it again. You might just be looking at it from where you were, and then the handball. I think it's. I just thought it was a clear pen. So, what did you think? So the first one, I didn't think it was a pen straight away. And I said, he's not. Get, I said, if he gets this, it's a soft one because he's uh, he's chopped it back. And then, it, right. So, 
when when you mean tortoise referees, I mean the amount of detail they go into. They say, you know, if a player's feet go together like this, and then they start, and then they go right. Nobody falls like that. Nobody puts their feet together. They only do that when they're trying to jump or fall or feign injury. Now he does get touched by Patterson. There's no two ways yeah. about it. But I think the problem was when you look at the evidence. I think from the side. So you know where I am, Les, on one side yeah. of the top. I think the camera on the other side shows it. He chops it back. Patterson doesn't touch the ball. He does touch Diaz, but Diaz is already going down. Right. He's, he's put his feet together and he's already started to fall. And now, obviously, years and years of me getting this drilled into me, I looked at it and thought, that doesn't look like a pen. That doesn't look like a natural, like he's took him out sort of thing. And he doesn't, right? So kudos to Paulson. I thought he got that right, to be fair. But you've seen them given. You have... I think if that's in the Champions League, I think that's given, if I'm honest with you. Yeah. But I think the threshold in the Premier League's a little bit higher. The second yeah. one, the second one, um, hilariously, two, two of my mates are in the Everton end and they're texting me going, is that a pen? Sorry, I'm waving to me son who's on a, who's on a void going out to a party. He's just gone down the road there. Yeah. Um, he, uh, they were, you know, they were going, is it a pen? And I said, I think it's a harsh one, the second one. Because obviously you see it once. And like he's fired it in at him from close range, five, 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 six yards away. I think he fired it at him. And I'm thinking, if that's hit his arm from there, how's he meant to get it out the way? But then I got a hilarious text off him at the end of the game. Um, going, oh, do you still think it's harsh? I was going, I'll have to see it back. And he's what he's done is he's took a still image of Keane with his arm out and he's gone and he's put him on Waverley Road with his arm out at a bus stop saying, Michael Keane waiting for the 79 bus. Yeah, like that. <laughs> And I, and I was like, oh, it's a nailed-on pen then. Because I, I've seen it back since. And he starts with his arm out. Yeah. Right? So he doesn't move his arm towards the ball, but his arm's already out. But at no point does he try and take it away. And I think that's where his issue is. I think if he fires across and he starts to move his arm out the way and it hits his arm, I don't think they give the pen. But he doesn't move it at all. He just leaves it out there, which blocks a clear cross into the box and a goal-scoring opportunity. It's a penalty kick. The, uh, the first one's not, definitely not. The second one I thought was harsh until I'd seen it at home, and it's not. It's an absolutely nailed-on pen. Yeah. Absolutely nailed-on. Do you agree with all that? From yeah, can, I just say, can I just say one thing, right? Yeah. He, they got the right decision in the end, right? But how did he not get it in the first place? Yeah. Exactly. So if I'm yeah. coaching Pawson, I'm saying you were in a really good position, like really good. He was where he should be at that stage of the game. He was dead fit. He was on the edge of the box. He had a great view and he doesn't spot it. And I'd be saying, you know, what did I'd be asking him, what have you seen? What did you yeah. see in that instance to make you go corner? Because he was adamant corner, wasn't he? He was yeah. adamant it was a corner. And, you know, it might have been blind side. His body might have gotten away, things like that. But I'd just be asking him the question because... I immediately look for things like where is he? Has he got? Yeah. And I thought he was in an excellent position, and because he just immediately went bang corner. Yeah. Well, so, will that just just asking you on that, Mike, quickly before Pete comes in, will that actually be analysed by the PGMOL? So when post and sort of you know after the game, did he get? Did the referees get their individual performances analysed? And will they be asked sort of? Well, you're looking at looking at everything there. You look to be in the perfect position to be able to see that. So why didn't you give the pen on the field? Yeah. So, so very quickly, right? So we we have observers who sit in the stand, right, and mark the referee on the game. But they get to look at the videos for the key match instance on, on the way back, and that used to be the old way of doing it. 
Now what they have is uh, a DVD of that game will, or a or a, a stream of that game will get sent to um, an ex Premier League referee who sits at home for six hours on a Sunday and analyzes every single decision given and every decision not given. Yeah. So you know when someone makes a tackle and people go, "What's oh, a foul or not?" And if if he doesn't give it, that decision gets looked at, and then the decision gets marked as. And this this is slightly incorrect, but there's three boxes, and it's um, um, easy, sorry, standard, difficult, extremely difficult, right? And depending on which box they tick in terms of what the decision is, right? If you then give them advice about you're probably in the wrong position or or whatever, so that will go down as an incorrect, uh, what's called um, an incorrect match changing situation. So be, be, because Porson got it wrong, right? He got it wrong on the field of play. He got it wrong. It was he, he gave a corner. He didn't give the penalty. So it's an incorrect match-changing situation. And then what his coach will do is they'll look at the observation report and they'll go through it with him probably on Monday morning in, in um, St. George's Park. And they'll have a conversation with him and go, right, let's have a look at your position. And they'll have all the camera angles. And this is the detail they go into. And they'll sit there and go, you're in the perfect position. Why can't you see it? I know the stuff that they do on... Um, Monday Night Football, where they have the virtual reality. Yeah. Well, they'll still be on, and Porson will probably, I think what he'll say is, because Keane's body is kind of turned like this and his arm's there, he's in the perfect position, but he can't see through his body. So right. when the ball comes in, he might have thought it's come off his chest or his mid or, or his midsection rather than his arm. And I think that's what he'll say, because he's in the right place, I have to say that. So I think the learning for him there is like, Keep going into those positions. It'll be very rare that you won't be able to spot that sort of thing. So I think he's done everything right up to that point, but the decision was incorrect. But obviously he's got VAR there to save him. And what yeah. I do wonder sometimes if VAR's not there, whether he goes bang pen. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I do wonder that, right? But he can safely give a corner, and then I think that's and people go, "Ah, oh, he's just bottling it because VAR's there." But I think that's actually a safe decision now because you give corner, right? You give corner. And um, Liverpool have still got an attacking position if he's right in once far have checked it. If he gives pen, right? I think I, I think he's got to start with a drop ball or something, right? Yeah. And it, it's it's difficult then, but so I think it's sensible. Go corner if you're not sure. Liverpool have still got an attacking position and let the VAR check the penalty. So I think, for me, he's done the right thing. I, I don't think he's had from an observer's point of view as he had an amazing game. He's been really. I think he's been very good. Right, but I think it's an emotional, it's an emotional game. So people will have different views. Obviously, uh, the Evertonians I've spoke to before and said he was absolutely crap. You know, whereas yeah. I think he was, I think he was quite good today. If I'm honest with you, I think he was. So Pete, go back to you where we were before. Were you sort of happy with the with the two decisions that we've just talked about? And then Mo comes up to take the pen away. Yeah, confidence he was going to put it away. Um, I don't know. I was saying to everyone around me, there was like, a, you know, people around me all getting excited. I said, and that was before we got awarded the pen, to be honest. And I said, first of all, we haven't. I think once he he was asked to go and have a look at the screen, I think he knew what was coming. And I said, we haven't scored it yet. And I said, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't, sort of saying he wouldn't, he wouldn't score it, but it was a fantastic penalty. I thought he might have gone down the middle with pace again, but it was a really well-placed penalty. The first one, in all fairness, I, I couldn't really see from where I was. It, it just looked like you're coming together in the box and whether 
like Mike says, it may have been given in the European competition, but not in the Premier League. I think his momentum took him through and, and stuff. The second one, even from where I was standing at the time, because he was standing up by then, um, his arm was extended. And to me, it had to be a penalty, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, it was... I, I, I was going to say what Mike just mentioned. I was wondering if he had the safety safety net of VAR, so he get the corner in the knowledge that if it was looked at properly by VAR, they would correct him. But I don't know if you know if that's the case or not. Like he says, it's it might go down against him in effect to um as a poor decision or the wrong decision, depending on where he where his viewpoint was on the game. But just going back very, very quickly to the the um the second possible penalty. Um don't forget it was Craig Pawson who gave a penalty against Dayan Lovegrove for doing very, very similar. And he he was quick to give the penalty a few years ago when yeah. uh Calvert Lewin sort of felt the, the breath that you know. I remember at the time actually, because I said to I said to the lads after the game, any Evertonians might to give us any stick, I'll just say. Sam Allardyce said in that game, you don't raise your hand in the box. That's all I'll say. So yeah. it was the same referee. And they got one then when they probably shouldn't have got one. And, you know, he could have walked the second time. But I do think it was the position on the pitch. He was so far inside the Everton half. I think if it had been just outside our box, it may have been a different story, to be honest. Tom, um, so we go 1-0 up. And immediately we go 1-0 up. I say, Jürgen made a brilliant substitution. He brought on Joe Gomez and took off Luis Diaz. Um, and just to make 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 Liverpool a little bit more solid, if you like, so that on the off chance that Everton did get a quick break, we had a more defensive player on the pitch, and we had we had a couple of chances to score the the second goal to kill the game off. You know, Jota went through once you thought was the best of the starting front three today, I might add, um, and should have. Should have passed and he hit it into the side netting. And then, you know, supposedly I, who again I thought was very good, also went through and had two players to his right and he made the wrong choice of trying to kill it in the top corner. And you just thought at that point, you know, it was, you, you didn't open, we weren't going to get caught by a sucker punch, you know, like from a, a set piece or something. And then obviously Everton do get a set piece and you know, superb pass to to Darwin, who sort of runs and and did absolutely brilliantly to lay the ball in the path of Mo, who finished superbly. And I've just got to add, before I go over to you, Tom, I thought that today was probably Mo Salah's worst performance in the Liverpool shirt. I think somebody touched on it before when they said Mikalenko played really well, and I thought he did. I thought he was by far... Everton's best player today. And um it kept Mo Salah really quiet. Mo Salah didn't get you know much change out of him at all. But I just thought in general today his passing was was off. You know, his decision making was off. And then <laughs> to say that, you know, that chance, he's just stuck it away lovely. So, you know, just shows what class players can do. They can they can look as though they've got the the boots on their own feet for sort of 93 minutes and then put them on the wrong feet and come up with a class finish. 
You're just uh, all over. I go to these penalty first. As I don't yeah. know what Peter yeah. said, he's probably one of that. Probably the best penalty I've seen him take for Liverpool. That to be honest, he like he you know like and they were going on about the water bottle. I don't know. You, you probably mightn't have seen the water bottle. He had water bottles in the corner with, with writing on about penalties, stuff, lad. And he was saying, like, he's put the water bottle. Where he put the water bottle, he smashed it, smashed it. Like, you could have had three goalkeepers. He didn't move to save it. But like you, I thought, I thought he had, I thought he had, overall, I thought he tried more. But what he tried didn't seem to work on the day. I don't think he played really well today. But like, as you say, the breakaway, the ball to Darwin Nunes, and then like, and you know what? Uh, we, we've had this conversation. I think Mike was on with us with Peter the last time about when we would talk about Darwin Nunes. And you say, you know, like we, we see where you think what he offers to the team and what. Do you know what? He looks a more complete footballer this season for so far. I think someone was saying he's had, I think he's had, is it what was it? In eight games, he's had 10 involvements, six goals and, and four assists. But his assist today was, it was a brilliant assist. He could have scored that, you know. I really felt he, if he'd have gone through, he probably would have scored. But he, laying it to Mo made it so much easier for Mo to score. And it was a great finish by Mo. And I think it's it summed up Nunes, what he's going to be where to Liverpool this season. I think it was, overall, I think 2-0, I think was 2-0 two, two overall. Everton complain that they were unlucky at 2-0. But to be honest, I think Liverpool, for all the play that they had, I think that I think Tunnel flattered Evan a little bit, to be honest. Yeah, so now we're gonna to come to you know the three players that I'll name for you, asking you for your opinions on their performances today. I'll start with you, Mike. What did you make of Costas's performance? I thought it was shocking. I, I I just you know, opportunity knocks. Come on, mate, step up. You've got at least six or seven games, if not more, for you to um nail down a place. And I just think it, it it seemed too much for him today. It really did. It just seemed too much for him, and he was jittery on uh, in possession, um, indecisive when he got the ball in positions. You know, he didn't want to play a five yard pass, and when he had the opportunity to play between players, it it looked as though he didn't feel like he could do it. So he just gave it back to the keeper or gave it back to Van Dyke. You know, I just I, he wasn't great today. He. He can have really good games. He can have really good games, Costas, and he's and he's definitely got quality. I mean, the, I think he's the best crosser of the ball, except for Trent in the team. He's, he's like, he, honestly, it's it's on a sixpence. It's on a sixpence sometimes for him. He's got a lovely bo- body posture and everything else. But excuse me, um, he was poor today for me, and I thought he went off probably ten minutes longer. He, he had ten minutes longer than he should have done. He was poor. You know, we didn't need him on the pitch because he wasn't adding anything going forward, which is why he took, why he brought Nunes on for him initially to play Diaz down the left, and then he switched it when we went one up and, and Gomez come on. So, yeah, Pete, what, what did you make of Costas today, Pete? I, very similar to Mike, and like Mike was just saying, then we've said for a long time, it's he, he's 
probably a better crosser of the ball than um, than Robbo, but I can't remember him putting one really good cross. No. I think there might have been one in the first half that no one sort of anticipated. It was the right height and the, and and the depth and everything. But yeah, he, he was pretty poor, and whether he had the jitters because he realizes now he's going to have a long run in the team. But like Mike said, he should have grabbed it by both hands, really. But yeah, he was he was indifferent today. I, you know, I don't like to say people have poor performances, but yeah, he wasn't wasn't a very good performance. But he wasn't the only one. I thought it was you know quite a few of them had ordinary performances today. But certainly Costas, I thought he could have done a bit better. Yeah. Yeah, he, wasn't, um, he wasn't under pressure, was he? Though? Sorry, he wasn't under pressure, was he? No. That, that's the thing that worried me today. Like, he, for, he was he the whole the... time he was on, he was never under pressure. Yeah, and he'd he have to get the ball and take it forward and be part of the attack and play, which is what he's good at. Normally, yeah, the only thing think just... of is, I'm wondering if he was a little bit, not worried, but he, he knew that Harrison, if he went too far forward, and Harrison's a pacey lad, in that first half, he maybe thought, well, I get caught up field, I'm never going to catch him. And I think he was probably thinking that more than anything. He may have been told to do that. We don't know. Mm, yeah, you would have thought he'd have been a little bit better on the offensive side, certainly with his crossing. Yeah. Tom, what did you make of Costas? Are you are you making it source of three out of three with his? because you had a different view of the game, obviously by yeah. by watching on the TV today. Yeah, I thought he had a. I thought he didn't play particularly well today, Les. I was. Um, what, but you know, to be fair to him, there was quite a lot of them who didn't play particularly well today. Did he have two international games this this, this yeah. season? You know, like we make excuses sometimes for players when they come back from international duty. He's come straight back in, and his first game probably I don't know what he played in the he played in the the league cup. I think didn't he? Yeah. So, it's his. I'll I'll judge. You know what? I'll judge him on the on the second game against Toulouse. But I thought overall, I wasn't really impressed with him. I, I don't think he, he he done a great deal. But as I said, there was a, quite a few players I wasn't impressed with today. To be to be fair, yeah, I thought he was average. I just thought he didn't really jump out and say, "Right, Robbo, you're gonna have a fight on to get your shirt back. I'm gonna take my chance now." I just thought he was average. And again, you've got to give him the opportunity over the coming weeks to see if he can improve. But today, I just thought you'd be saying much do, must do better on his report card, I think. The next one I'll come on to is a, a player again who started his, his first Premier League game of the season today. And that was Ryan Gravenbeer. So again, I'll start with you, Mike. What did you make of Ryan's performance today? Um, I... And I thought he was okay in the first half. It's, it, I think it's difficult in a game where, you know, he's an attacking midfielder, right? He likes to break into the box. But I think today, by running into the box, you know, um, you just add more bodies in there and it becomes congested. So it's difficult for him. I thought he was neat and tidy in the first half. It was all right. I think he ran out of ideas second, which is probably why he came off. Um, but, you know, he was all right. I just think, I think next week's more of a game for him, Forrest. Because they'll be a bit more open, they won't come and sit in deep. And talking about Costas, just going back to him uh, quickly, he's he got a hell of a game next week. He's up against Brennan Johnson or Callum Hudson Adoy, so he is a, he, he's against Maxwell Whippets next week. Mike Johnson's not there now; he's at Tottenham. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, will it be uh, Adoy, and it'll be um, uh, the Welsh lad who we sold the right back to them. Maybe up on the wing as well. Yeah, that's right. Do you know what I mean? So he's up against it there for me. 
next week. I think that's more of a difficult game where he's going to actually be asked to defend and attack in the same game. But in terms of grabbing Birchett, I thought he was neat and tidy today. You know, he doesn't give the ball away much. He's got a good touch for a big man. He gets around, he covers the ground as well. Is he as developed as McAllister and Sabozlai? No. If you if everybody was fit in that midfield, he probably wouldn't be in my first three at all, I don't think. I, I'd need to see more of him, but he might get a run of games now. But I tend to suspect Jones has played so well start of this season, the back end of the last. I tend to suspect that Jones is going to come straight back in next week. If he's no, still suspended next week. He's got one game to go. So he's okay, not. So rewind that. Cut that out the podcast, Les. So what I'll <laughs> say is Jones is suspended next week. So I think Gavin <laughs> Baker will definitely play next week. Yeah. Uh, because I don't think there's anybody else who can. I mean, uh, Harvey might come in, with, what with it being Forrest. Harvey might come in and play in there. Um, it, I think it depends who plays midweek. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. do. I think it depends who plays Thursday. I think if I think if Gravenberg plays Thursday, he doesn't play Sunday. For me, I think that'll be very telling when that happens. I think the team on Thursday will pick the team on Sunday. If I'm honest with you. What did you make of Ryan Gravenberg today? I thought he had a good first half. I thought some of his touches were excellent. Um. As I say, I was slightly surprised when he came off. I know he, he wasn't pulling up any trees second half, but I thought he had a really good first half, to be honest. Um, and, I mean, we I think we all said on, on the preview the other night that we'd like him to start, he deserved to start. So, yeah, I think he uh, I think he did okay. Like Mike was saying, maybe not nothing with the end product. You know, you'd like him to... Maybe I, I just thought we could have had a couple of shots. I know I know Sobersly had a couple of digs from outside the box. Um, but I think we just needed to test pick more. But it, it was getting congested because of the amount of defenders were there. So but all in all, I think um I think Ryan Gravenberts had a decent game up until obviously when he came off, you know. Tom, did you get that impression from watching on the TV as well? Yeah, I thought I thought Gravenbach played well the first half. I thought he him and Sabozlai were the two players who were moving the ball quicker than than and trying to find the space. I thought they've done all right. I think he did drop off a little bit in the second half, but um, yeah, I I, I think he's a I think he's a really good player, Gravenbach. I think he's I think he's gonna be one that'll that'll fight with cases for the for the for the position over the season. Because I think he, I think he offers, he he offers a little bit more going forward than Curtis at the moment. But um, yeah, but I, I think yeah, I thought he was all right. I thought not spectacular, but did did decent enough. Yeah, I thought I thought like you've all said there. I thought he was very good in the first half. Even impressed Steve Minch in the first half, Mike, which is unbelievable. Which is saying something. So. Yeah. So yeah, you know, I thought I thought he was really good in the first half and thoroughly justified, you know, his selection to start the game. I did think he faded a little bit in the second half when Everton sort of went a little bit more defensive and he couldn't really get in the game. And it suited the way Everton lined up in the in the second half. Really, it suited the Harvey more than a, a Grav, if you see what I mean. Mm-hmm. Because Harvey's a different type of player. Likes likes to likes to play in small spaces, move the ball quickly, whereas Ryan likes to sort of run with the ball and there wasn't really a lot of space for him to to use those skills, if you like. So yeah, I thought he did I thought he did really well, especially in the first half. And the last one I'm gonna ask you about uh, is Alexis McAllister. So what did you think of Macca today, Mike? 
but look, I, for me in a game, you know, he, he he's class. He's playing in a position he's probably not comfortable with, but he's a World Cup winner. And you know, I think if you're a midfielder, you should be able to rotate. I mean, Hendo for years played right side along with Trent and Mo. And then when he got when he played in the six, he was brilliant in the six as well. So underrated in that position, you know. Thiago does the same. He plays right side when he plays for us. But then when the others weren't fit, he plays he plays a six. And he's brilliant in that position. So I think if you're a really good midfield player, you can play anywhere. He has like first minute today, you give the ball away. Sloppy pass. Like Hendo ain't giving that away. He's probably been a, Hendo's probably been a bit more economical with it. So is Fabinho. Thiago's probably getting a 60-yard swirler that goes around 53 players and lands perfectly at Mo's feet. Do you know what I mean? Um, but they're different types of players. I mean, that that pass at the end, you mentioned the Nunes break at the end for Salah's goal. That pass from McAllister is brilliant. Like, it breaks him on the edge of the box. He's got his head down. He takes one look at the picture in front of him, fires it between two Everton players, has enough on it to get past the third Everton player right into Nunez's run, because Nunez just sees him get the ball. And you see him, it's like ever since the, um, was it West Ham, when he chipped the ball into Nunez to score? When McAllister gets on the ball, if there's yards in front of Nunez, he doesn't wait, he doesn't stand looking at him. He just turns and he moves and he waits for the ball to get to him. And that's what happened. It was a great pass. So he blows up and cold for me. I think he's had a decent game today, covers a lot of ground, and he's getting better. But I really hope, like, I don't know what's up with Thiago, but if Thiago was fit, I think you'd see him in the six and he'd probably push McAllister to the right-hand side um, with Sabozlai on the left. Um, I think that's what they'd do. And I, then, I, and I think you can judge him then because he makes risky passes, right? He does. He tries to open things up. He makes risky passes. But if you do it in the final third, you don't get punished as much for it. Where he's doing it at the moment, I think sometimes they nick the ball off him a couple of times. He was a bit sloppy with it. And it does cause me a bit of heart attack, if I'm honest with you. Um, but he's quality. You can see he's a quality footballer. You know, I mean, the man's carried Lionel Messi, obviously, for the last 10 years. <laughs> he's seen a team, you know what I mean? So he's had to do all Messi's running for him and dirty work. So we can definitely do it. And again, it's difficult today because, you know, he was he stuck in a position where he's constantly getting closed down by two or three players. The space wasn't there for him to play. So, mate, he's a, look, he's a great player. I think he's, and at 35 million, I think he's an absolute snip of a quality player. He's something different that we've got, but I just want us to get that holding midfield player. If Endo was pulling up trees in training, Endo would be playing in the sixth role. And he's, he's clearly not, because McAllister yeah. to do it, you know. Um, but I, where is Thiago less? He's still injured, hasn't started training again yet, Mike. So, so no, there's no sort of indication of when he'll be back. So, just watch this space of Jürgen's next press conference. Pete, what did you make of Macca today? The usual, well, I'll say the usual, just a slow start. A couple of times caught some possession, but then he, he raked quite a few passes. Over to you know, over towards Trent and that, and once again he he grows into games, and you know, like Mike said, he's he's no that he's not that you know, uh, he is playing out of position. I suppose he'd like to he'd like to be further forward, but um, yeah, he he got better as the game went on. I thought I thought the midfield as a whole got better as the game went on. Tom, what did you make of Macca? 
Well, it's exactly the same as, as the other lads give a couple of uh, balls away at the at the start. I thought he hit a screamer of a shot there from about 30 yards as well, by the way. That hit Pickford, the Pickford pushed out right in front of, of one of the strikers. I think he is. I think he's. Everybody knows his natural position is an ace, and and I think he's, you know, like he's more suited to where he is. But at the moment, but I think, I think overall, I thought he had a decent game. He's a quality player, and I think he'll he'll do a great job for us, lads. Yeah, I thought he was decent today. I thought again he had he was sloppy for the first five minutes, then he grew into the game, and I just thought that he was he was really steady on the pass to put Nunes through as well as knitting some of the other players together, I thought was really, really good. So, yeah, there's definitely more to come from him. And, you know, to, to get what we've got out of him so far and see what we've seen, you know, as Mike said, for 35 million, you know, we've all got to be happy, you know, with, um, with what we've got and the type of play we've got. Now we'll go to Man of the Match. I'll start with you, Tom. Um, it was, I was going to... What's it called? But I give it to I'm going to give it to Sir Bosley, but I thought Harvey Elliott deserves a full mention because I thought he was exceptional when he came on. Yeah, Mike. Oh, Mo Salah, match winner. He was terrible, and he had two great touches and scored two goals. The fellas by me were all going, "What's wrong with him today? His touch is awful. This is terrible. This is terrible." And I said, "It is right, but he'll win us the game. That's why he's not coming off the pitch. He'll win us the game. And then what does he go and do?" Wins us the game. The man's yeah. imperious, uh, and like not like you said before, Harvey Elliott. You'd, I'd probably give it to him rather than anybody else who played because he came on. You're right, Les. Moved the ball quickly, kept the tempo going, didn't take too many touches. Had that great shot, which to be fair to Pickford, pulled off an amazing save onto the crossbar. Um, but Mo Salah, match winner. Got to give him. The, I'm giving him the man of the match, mate. Even though he was, even though he was terrible, he's getting man of the match off me. Pete, who are you going for? Don't mean to surprise you. Go on. <laughs> there were some decent, not outstanding performances. Like you say, I think Jossett was probably the best of the front three today. Um, Gravenberch, as we said. Virgil, although he did have a great deal to do, whenever we're pumping long balls up to thing, he won quite a lot of headers, Virgil. Um, and like we said, Elliot Nunes, come on, but I'd have to give it to Sabozlai. I think throughout the whole game. I think he just looked, he used class to be honest. He's such a classy player. Yeah, I was talking to Jamie in the car when I was dropping him off after the game and I was saying to him, you know, who do you think you know, <laughs> I sh- uh, would, would be your man of the match? And he said like very similar to what Mike said, he said you know, Salah was terrible today but he scores two goals so you'd have to consider Mo. He said, and he said Gravenberch had a good first half and I said like for me, like yeah, I can see where you're coming from with Mo, but his his performance for the for the rest of the game, you know, as I said before, with all due respect to him and everybody's entitled to have a bad game, was probably the worst performance he's put in for Liverpool. And funny enough, some old guy uh, walking out behind me, um, uh, in front of the uh, the ticket office there was saying, Well, that wasn't sounded terrible today. I haven't seen him played that bad since he joined us and yet he scored two goals. But yeah, it, it, to me, it come to a toss-up between Harvey Elliott and Sir Bosley. And again, I just go for Sir Bosley at the end because he was on for the full 19 minutes and, you know, was just consistently good. You know, it wasn't his best game, but he was still, I think, the best player on the field today. So 
we now move on and we uh, for a quick preview of the Toulouse game on, on Thursday night. The currently lying tent in the French League, Tom, but they did draw 1-1 this season with with PSG. And I think they've they've won one and drew one of the the first two games in the in the group. So what you're expecting from Toulouse and are you expecting many changes from the, the eleven that started today? I think I think Curtis Jones will play on Wednesday, Les. You probably come back. Yeah, I, 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 I think whatever team we put out will be a strong side. So I would have wanted Gapco is probably is close to playing if he was if he was nearly fit and traded. So maybe he'll start. Maybe that's why he never put him on the bench today. You know, with with the thoughts of him playing. But I think we'll put a strong side out. I, 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 even as good as the player, I, I think Liverpool will beat them. To be honest, I think we'll be too strong for them. Yeah, Mike. What do you know much about Toulouse? And are you expecting many changes from to the team? Hey, that, I love the fact that you. I was saying this to stay on the way. Oh, I love the fact we're in the Europa League this year because I think it gives us a strong chance in the Premier League. You know, we we're rebuilding the midfield. We've had a major change in terms of the way we play and everything else. But the fact that he can just change his first eleven on a midweek and play and rest most of his key players for the weekend games is amazing. Because if we were in the Champions League, I, I think we'd be struggling more than we are. After more than we are, I think we'd be struggling a bit purely because he'd have to play his best eleven every game, wouldn't he? He'd have to play his best eleven Saturday, best eleven Tuesday, best eleven Saturday every week. Whereas I think we're very fortunate we're playing some really poor teams in the Europa League and the reserves can get us through it. You know, we could lose on Thursday and we still win the group at a canter. You know, it just... It, it, for me, it only gets tasty after Christmas, that competition, when you might get a couple of Champions League teams or, you know, um, you know, big Spanish, Italian or even English teams dropping into that. Um, I just think we'll have too much for them. I think there'll be significant changes. If Kelleher's fit, he'll play... Gomez will probably play the full game. Kwanzaa will play. Um, you know, I think anyone who's on the bench today has got a chance of having a game. Nunes will probably play the full game. Endo, Elliot, Curtis, I think is a great shout because he'll want to get minutes in his legs for... Who's the game after Forrest? It's, uh, we've got Bournemouth and then Luton away. Yeah, so I think he'll want Curtis back in some sort of form by then. Um, I just think he'll... Play, I do think he'll make a lot of changes. Um, I just think anyone who's a sub today who came on will get full 90 minutes. Um, and I just think it it should be enough. And if it's not, then we load the bench, bring them on towards the end of the game and do that. You know, I just, I, I don't see this group as being very difficult at all. Toulouse are not a great team. Being 10th in the French League tells me that they're not very good, you know. Um, yeah. They beat PSG, but then so did Newcastle, you know, and... Uh, comfortably as well, Newcastle. If I'm honest with you, PSG look a shadow of a decent team. They really do. So, um, I just think we'll have enough to beat them. I think it'll be fine. I think whoever we play, it'll be enough. And if it's not, I think he'll just he'll fly a load of people off the um, uh, off the bench to win the game for us. And once we've won it, expect to see the once we've won the group, expect to see the kids. You won't get yeah. expect yeah. to see the kids. You know, Pete, Elliot, Hendo, Jones in midfield. And uh, for me, I don't really see Gakpo starting. I think you might give him maybe 20 minutes, half an hour from the bench, do you think? What, what's your view? Uh, I mean, I don't know how close he was to making it today. Um, you know, um, 
Scanlon was on the bench today. I wonder if he might get a start. You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, Kelleher, like like Manx, is probably you look at the bench today. Quanser uh, will come in. Um, not sure if McConnell will make a start. He was on the bench today. Um, but you'd think Endo would come in. Joe Gomez would start. Kelleher will start. Joel Massif will start, I would think. Um, so, yeah, the... You're probably looking at a good eight, eight or nine changes, to be honest, on Thursday night. I don't know anything about Toulouse at all. I, I don't know. As I, as I say, apart from looking at the table like you've done on the 10th. So, if the 10th in that league, which is, you know, it's it's not the best league in Europe, um, I'm sure we'd have enough to, to get three points. And the sooner we get three points and, and as many maximum points as we can, like Mike says, we can play the kids for the rest of the, um, the, rest of the group then. Yeah. So Tom, um, I'm gonna go round now and ask you for a quick prediction for the for the game on Thursday. I'll go with three one Les. Okay. Mike. I I, I think it'll be two nil, two one, three one, something like that. Just just a win for me. I just you know, keep them keep them momentum going. Yeah, and Pete. Um depending on how he picks up front, I think there could be goals in it for us, so I'll say three nil. Yeah, I'm gonna go for for a three 0 win as well, I think that I think that Mo will start. I think that yeah. Diaz given a bit of a rest on Thursday. I think Nunes will start and Jota will start, and I think there'll be fresh legs in midfield. And I think we'll have too much for to lose, and I think we'll come out comfortable winners on Thursday night. So on that point, we'll end this edition of the Late Flag. Thanks to Tom, <laughs> Pete, and our guest Mike Hanley for joining us tonight on the Late Flag. As he always say on these podcasts to end them. Justice for the 97. Don't buy the sun. You'll never walk alone. And rest in peace, Bobby Charlton. You'll never be forgotten.